teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom satisfy Greetings. Welcome to Two Days Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas. It's good to be back again. I know I've been away. Uh, really, it's moving on two months. Uh, but in the meantime, I have been working to improve the channels. Uh, we have our new logo and have a new theme song. And I'm very grateful to Pastor Steve Herford of the Eastport Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, for permitting me uh, to use his song most of our time as the new theme song. Uh, for the podcast channel. Um, Pastor Steve uh, is on Spotify. Uh, you can look him up at pa uh, Steve Herford, last name H-E-R-E-F-O-R-D. And he has four albums there. Uh, all of them are, are scripture songs. He actually uh, comes up with themes, uh, music. Uh, he already has the lyrics and he just takes the Bible verses and puts music to them. I know he has four albums. I enjoy listening to them. Uh, many of those songs are on my Spotify playlist. Uh, and I tell you what, they're a true blessing every time they come on. And sometimes these songs hang in my head in the morning during the day. And it's time to give praise to the Lord and, and even time to take a little time to meditate and pray uh, as well. Uh, the YouTube channel, I've gotten some new gear for it. Um, and, and I hope sometime you take time to go over to the YouTube channel. Uh, it's by the same name, Two Days Denarius. All you have to do is do a search. Uh, if you go there and you have a YouTube account, please subscribe. Um, the messages that I do on YouTube and between the podcasts are not always the same. In fact, most of the time they're not. So come on over uh, to YouTube. Uh, take a watch of the videos. Uh, subscribe, like the videos. Uh, always feel free to leave comments. It's actually the only place you can leave comments to me uh, is on YouTube. I do not have a mechanism uh, on my podcast uh, for you to share thoughts um, because I do this through Anchor FM. And my reason is because I want this message to get out to the widest audience as possible. And by using Anchor, I get to reach nine channels, nine other channels. And I really, in my heart, want to keep this going instead of committing myself uh, to one podcast service such as Google or Apple or, or even Spotify. Uh, not right now. As long as Anchor's around and Spotify owns Anchor now, um, I will continue to seek uh, to get this out to the widest audience possible. And I'm committed not to take funds. Um, this is a work of love. Um, I'm... Uh, I want to get the word out about Jesus Christ and encouragement for Christians uh, out into the world. So uh, do pray for this ministry uh, as it grows. Um, it's always a privilege and honor uh, to share the word um, uh, with others. So, all right. Well, there's many things happening in our world and in the news uh, today. And I know the topic of today is uh, Christians awoke and amok. Or both. <laughs> I just want to start this podcast tonight uh, by giving you five names 
uh, of missionaries from the last century. And really, they are kind of legendary to modern Christian history. Uh, some of you may know uh, who I am speaking about. Uh, one is Roger Udarian, Pete Fleming, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley. And for those of you who don't know their names, uh, certainly keep a listening because you will know here shortly. But they were five missionaries uh, who set their lives to follow Christ and spreading the gospel uh, where it had never been spread before and follow these words, no matter the cost. Uh, they were fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. And over time, after they graduated from college, um, they did their research and they all prayed uh, to seek God's will and God's calling. Well, in the end, they chose upon the leading of the Lord uh, to go to an unheard of tribe in the jungles of Ecuador, uh, basically the home to the Alca Indians. Um, when they did this, uh, to reach out to them, um, you know, they were trained at Wheaton College. Uh, they grew, they, they knew uh, basically what a missionary was and what a missionary should be, how to prep to go to the mission field. So they, they had all that. And when all of that was done and all of this was planned, uh, the time came uh, when they were going to start reaching out to this tribe. Now the Halkas themselves were very hostile, uh, very hostile tribe. Uh, anybody who had ever tried to make contact with them uh, was killed. Uh, they didn't even get a chance. But uh, these missionaries decided to take this approach to try to reach them from a distance first. And what they did, the pilot, and I don't know which one was the pilot of the five, but he was a, a marvelous pilot. Uh, he could fly a plane very well and used his plane and he circled around it um, doing a pretty hard move. And, and they would drop things down to the camp, um, hoping that they would come out. And they could be toys, they could be some food, uh, other items uh, that they thought that these Alcas um, might have interest in and help them to know and understand that they were trying to reach out to them in a friendly way. Uh, so I, the point came where they saw the Alcas come out uh, from the woods to the shore. And, and this particular shore uh, by this river uh, actually was um, big enough uh, for that plane to land there. So when they felt it was safe enough to go, they were uh, going to land and try to make face-to-face -face contact uh, with the Alcas. And when they did land, ultimately a couple of, of the Alcas came out from the woods uh, and they made connection for a period of time and and they had like maybe two visits and maybe on the third, I don't know which one it was. Um, on January 6, 1956, uh, things changed drastically. So even though they had thought uh, that they had, hey, we made our goal, we made contact, and it looks like we may in the near future be able to set up a missionary camp here. Uh, but that all changed on January 6, 1956. Uh, because a warlike tribe came out from the woods and speared all five of them. Uh, it's known that one of them, that one of the Alcas was shot by one of the uh, missionaries. Uh, but in the end, um, that missionary died too. And uh, the Alca did not die the same day, but he did die uh, later on. Well, back wherever Elizabeth and 
Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot, and the other spouses uh, were waiting to hear. They they had a periodicity of when they uh, would radio back, uh, basically that they were okay. Uh, but a period of time went by on, after January 6th that uh, there was nothing. They were not getting any signals uh, or any contact whatsoever from the five missionaries. Um, and so they contacted the authorities. The authorities flew over uh, the Aka camp and saw the plane and, and saw a couple of the bodies uh, in the water um, uh, having been speared. After this happened, this story became huge headlines uh, in the United States, given this was 1956. And uh, it was a big story, certainly a huge story in the church and sparked a missionary revival. Uh, one of the spouses, Elizabeth Elliott, uh, determined herself that she was going to go carry the work um, that, that Jim Elliott started. And she went and she took her child. A party went there to... Uh, go establish the mission and she was going to do it and if she had to give her life she was going to give it too um, but the thing about the Akas they they didn't uh, kill women like that they they treated them differently than they did the men and so it was certainly um, encouraging that happened because eventually that uh, community um, they all came to faith in Jesus Christ and all of their lives and their ways as a result, there were changed. But people have to understand, these missionaries were all about taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. They weren't there to change their culture. You know, when, when a person really comes to faith in Christ and come from uh, and leave their ways of sin and separation from God, um, it's not about changing culture. It's about changing lives. The Spirit of God comes within us, you know, you really truly know what's right and wrong and stuff and, and he just changes us. Well, they were, they were there to bring the good news to them, make disciples of all nations like the Great Commission called us to do. I think many people understand what, what the true missionary is about. They say, oh, how dare you touch other indigenous people in the world? You can't go change them. It's not about changing them and culturally or saying, trying to make them American. People, you have to understand it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's about their souls. Souls that would be eternally lost and separated from Christ if somebody didn't preach that Jesus Christ lived, died, and was buried for their sin and rose again for their justification so they could come to faith in him. So let us clear that misunderstanding because it is completely wrong biblically to say that missionaries are just there to change somebody's culture. That is false very false now i can say that if if there are things that are sinful and no this alka tribe was doing some things that were clearly sinful but they knew and understood once they came to faith in christ what the things among themselves needed to be changed and surely they did and you know what i'm sure it didn't take the missionary elizabeth elliott to tell them that because when jesus christ comes to your heart you will know <laughs> now the Alcas did eventually become a Christian community. You know, God, even out of death, uh, can bring life. We don't always understand the mystery and how God's providence works, uh, but it did. But to get on with the story, two of these five graduates uh, were from Wheaton College. And some of you might ring a bell because you may have heard about Wheaton College in the news last week. 
Um, but notably, you know, they were pretty famous graduates because of what happened. Um, but their most famous alumnus of Wheaton College is certainly Billy Graham, the great evangelist. Uh, the late, great Billy Graham, just, just marvelous. And you know, Billy Graham's heyday actually started in the 1950s uh, as well. So he was probably a graduate not long uh, around the time, same time that uh, uh, Jim Elliott and Ned McCulley were uh, as well. So now a year after the martyrdom of the five, uh, the class of 1949 uh, invested and installed a plaque in the wall of one of the buildings at Wheaton that honored uh, the late five missionaries. So let me read that to you. It starts out with a quote of, go ye, and preach the gospel. Um, now the plaque can be a little different, uh, difficult to read, so bear with me for the moment as I, as I uh, forge on through this. Dedicated to the, to the glory of God and in loving memory of Edward McCulley, president of the class of 1949, and James Elliott, 49, likewise an outstanding athlete and leader. Because of the Great Commission, Ed and Jim, together with Nathaniel Saint, Roger Udurian, and Peter Fleming, went to the mission field uh, willing for anything, anywhere, regardless of cost. They chose the jungles of Ecuador, inhabited by the Alca Indians. For generations, all strangers were killed by these savage Indians. After many days, and patient preparation and devout prayer, the missionaries made their first contact, first friendly contact known to the history, known to history with the Alcas. Nobody had ever been able to successfully make contact with these Alcas. They were the first ones. But on January 6, 1956, the five missionaries were brutally slain, martyrs for the love of God. That's the text of what was in uh, put placed there in honor uh, to these five missionaries. And it basically tells the story uh, of what happened to them, to these five Christians. Whatever Wheaton's College's Hall of Faith is, this is what, where this plaque was placed, I certainly don't know. Uh, but this was erected by the class of 1949, January 8th, 1957, just a year later. Uh, the love of, for the love of Christ constraineth us in 2 Corinthians 5.14, uh, which is the verse uh, that was written in their, their honor on this plaque. Jim Elliott is probably the most notable of the five, probably the most well-known. Um, he had many thoughtful quotes, and I think there was kind of advantage here because the story of his life uh, was chronicled by his widow, uh, Elizabeth Eddie Elliott in a book titled uh, Shadow of the Almighty. And Shadow of the Almighty is a book that Christians should read today. Uh, it's, if you feel called to be a missionary, if you believe in your heart, or if you want to read a tremendous Christian biography, uh, read this bio about Jim Elliott. Uh, it's a remarkable man, a remarkable story. Um, you know, Jim Elliott, like I said, had many, many uh, thoughtful quotes and certainly he's most well known for this one. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain that which he cannot lose. You know what? That, that quote there, unbeknownst to him at the time that he wrote it, uh, certainly was all Jim Elliott. Um, but he has others as well. You can also Google uh, Jim Elliott quotes. But there's confusion here because these men completely surrendered their lives. They denied themselves, picked up their cross, and followed him. And they followed him on the path of suffering. Oh, by the way, that's certainly part of what the Christian life is, my friends. That's biblical. But I do sense that there's a lot of confusion and stuff in the Christian world, evangelical world today because how in the world do two words on a plaque that honors these five great men who went for the love of Christ, the heart of love, to reach a tribe that had never, ever heard the good news um, just because of two words and a plaque make it a horrible thing. So let's take it down and erase our history. This makes no sense. This makes no sense. If, if savage Indians bothers um, these folks real bad, let's consider something here. It's important to understand who these Alcas were. And I say were, because it wasn't long afterward when Elizabeth Elliot went there that they became something else. They became Christians and had new life. But the Alcas had a history of being very warlike. They're very... They wanted to eliminate the tribe that was nearby them as the tribe uh, that wasn't far away from them wanted them to eliminate them as well. But they were constantly fighting tribes around them. In addition to that, they were cannibals. Uh, what can you say about that? So we not bother them or touch them? You know, uh, they're going on living, eating human beings? They were spiritual animists. All you need to know is that former religion was spiritism based on superstition, complete idolatry, and it was demonic. And they were completely isolated and hostile, and they also liked it that way. And that's why nobody ever, ever was able to make contact with them and live. And you know what? They were willing uh, to do anything uh, to keep it that way. So having said that, I do sense that some infiltrators have, have entered Wheaton College who come in with an agenda that they were going to try to change our history or eliminate the things that are special about us, um, starting with knocking down this plaque that is put up in honor of the great acts of love, Christian love, guys who lived this Christian life the way it should be lived. And by the way, Wheaton College, you're supposed to be teaching your students that. To live the Christian life the way it's meant to be lived. To surrender to what God calls you to do in this life. I have a sense that there's a sweep coming for Wheaton College. Because what are you going to do? And I, I say to the president of the school, Mr. Philip Riken. What are you going to do when these guys get on whatever you have honoring Billy Graham there, be it a statue, a plaque, whatever it is, a mural? And they see that and they don't like it because Billy Graham preached about sin or he preached about this thing we don't like and the way the people live. 
You have put yourself in a hole, my friend. You had five Christian heroes. And I challenge you to take these characters and investigate their salvation story if they even know the plan of salvation. That you investigate the Christian work that they did before entering your college to see if they really know the truth. Because if they don't, and they're coming to your school telling you to take on a plaque with five men who did live this Christian life the way it should have been lived and have a story to tell, a heroic story to tell, why in the world would you listen to them? Because one day they're going to come and tell you, you will take down the statue or whatever you have of Billy Graham, I, I promise you, because he called men sinners, men and women sinners. This is the evangelical message. You, you are starting to lose your identity. Two of these men who died in 1956 graduated from your school. Your school educated them. Your school taught them how to be missionaries. Your school taught them how to live as heroes of the Christian faith. And now you pull it down. What kind of example are you setting for your students? at Wheaton College. What are you going to say? What are you going to say when the next group of students come to you and tell you to take another one of these down? Who's going to be next? Because you've set the pattern. You, you have set the pattern. You know, I do know, and I met Jerry Falwell Sr., and there's a big difference between junior, junior and senior, those who are listening. But I met Jerry Falwell, the founder of Liberty University years ago, the founder of Thomas Road Baptist Church. I can tell you right now, Jerry Falwell Sr. would have shipped those students home immediately. They would not have had a chance if they would have even thought about taking a plaque of those five heroic missionaries down. He would have told them, I got to buy you a ticket for the next train out of here. Philip Reichen, that's what you needed to do. I'm not going to side with anybody who sides against those five missionaries and what they did. You need to be teaching these students about what those five men did. They should be known to every student, in addition to Billy Graham at Wheaton College, Roger Yadurian, Pete Fleming, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCauley. Why are we talking about them today when you should be teaching them about them in your school and how as a model to live the Christian life? We have a chapter in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, by the way, were all those guys in Hebrew and, and, and men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, what we like to call the hall of faith, were they all perfect? Did they all live perfect lives? Because they weren't up to some of our standards. Let's pluck some of their names out of there. Well, wasn't Rahab a prostitute? Let's get her out of there. Samson, he loved, weather, he loved women. He could never control himself. But his name's in there. We could go down the list. David, Abraham. Oh, by the way, Sarah's my sister. We can go down the list. Let's stop this nonsense. God called these people. And I'm talking about the saints of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm talking about the true saints 
who went out there and gave their lives for Christ as martyrs on the mission field, trying to reach people with the gospel of Christ. They weren't trying to change their culture. Let's, let's eliminate that argument. They were trying to reach people with the good news, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so they could have new lives. You know, the culture piece takes care of itself when a person comes to Christ. Jesus takes, <laughs> takes the old clothes. You throw them away and you put on new clothes. You once served sin and Satan. Now you have a new Lord and Master, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord means Master. We changed. We are transformed from darkness to light. Well, yeah, I would expect that to happen with the Alka Indians. And that did. Because Elizabeth Elliot went over there and the Holy Spirit opened those people's hearts to the good news of Jesus Christ. And things changed. You know, Philip Ryken, I say this to you, your dad is a great Puritan loving man, Leland. And... He wrote a wonderful book, Worldly Saints, talked about the lives of the Puritans. Um, you know, maybe you need to read their book, that book. But in their time, they stood for God and fought against a very corrupt church in its time. What are you doing? You're caving. You're caving to people who in the end believe in a work salvation, a salvation that isn't going to save them or anybody else. A salvation that's invested in secularism in this and in this world. It isn't about a salvation that gives people new life and a new way by faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And whatever Jesus Christ they have, they've corrupted to make it an idol in their own lives so they can continue on their own path in their own way. Now, I do suspect that most leaders at Wheaton College do know this. But to acquiesce is to give affirmative answers to their actions, and those actions will continue. But what you need to be doing is, one, finding out these people are truly saved, and certainly weeding out ones who have no clue but are there to create problems in your institution and try to change you from what you're supposed to be, a truly Christian college. Many people think that you're just neo-evangelical, but that's up to you, Wheaton College, to decide what you want to be because if you're going to start taking down your plaques honoring real Christian heroes, I don't know what to say what's going to become of you. So I ask you to consider that. And you need to look at this world and understand that apostasy is running very high right now. Uh, we see a lot of people entertaining these so-called former Christian celebrities uh, who like to think it's a badge of honor when they decide to deconstruct their faith. They like to use that word deconstruct. Um, you know, that's just a synonym for apostatize. That's all that is. They shed their Christian faith because they saw some kind of light. <laughs> Friends, if you saw Jesus Christ in the divine and supernatural light as Jonathan Edwards described it, you're not going back to anything else. You're not going back to sin, ser serve sin and self. I'm speaking to you, Brian Welch. You're the latest one. You're back there serving yourself to sing about s sinful stuff with corn. How fashionable. But that's the road that's paved 
to perdition. Christian colleges, we need you to be teaching your students really how to share the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? If they're not responding to that, then you need to start preaching to them salvation messages. And you need to look at your students because they all probably had to say that they had some kind of testimony and walk with Christ. But are they? I, I can't believe any Christian would want to see for a second plaque honoring these five men taken down for any reason whatsoever. Remember, Wheaton, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Wheaton College, Christian colleges out there. You need to get back to the Great Commission. You need to quit worrying about the other stuff that's going on out there. Get back to this Great Commission. Teach it to your students. Keith Green sang a song years ago titled, Jesus Commands Us to Go. And he made the statement there, he says, all Christians should be a missionary unless God tells them otherwise. All Christians should seek God calling, especially with missions, unless God calls them otherwise. Keith Green had a lot of zeal for the Lord. And many things that he said was true. But I'll tell you right now, we don't have many Keith Greens around. People, we need to preach. I look at Christian music world today and all of that. We have a lot of unsaved people just making money off of other Christians. I have one Christian singer that's doing the same thing. I will not name him here. But they don't know Jesus Christ, but they like to sing evangelical songs because it makes their living. We need a better kind of Christianity, my friends. A much better kind. Start with the Great Commission. These men lived 2 Corinthians 5.14. And we look at the word compel for the word of Christ constraining us. That word means compel to provide impulse for some activity, to urge on and impel. They had the heart of a missionary. They had something that caught their attention that grasped them that we're going to go out and live for Christ and we're going to do what he calls us to do. We're going to pick up our cross daily and follow him. These men understood what the surrendered life was about. And you know what? Their spouses did too. You can't say it for a second that Nate Saint's spouse and Elizabeth Elliot, who did great things with the Alka Indians after that incident in 1956, they had much to do with the conversion to Christ. And conversion, not of the culture. Conversion to Christ of the Alka Indians. Compelled, constrained for the love of Christ controlled them. 
schools, Christians, you have to decide what you're going to be. There is a dividing line these days. Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus said that when he came because the Father sent him, he said to his disciples, even so send I you. You know, we spread the love of Christ. You know, it's about people coming to faith and finding Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And somebody out there listening to me right now, you may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This isn't about woke. Don't go amok in this world and misunderstand the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's really not that hard to understand. It's about faith and a relationship with the one who came here to save you, who lived his life, died, buried, rose again. We're, we're actually Palm Sunday, and then we're next week, we're moving into Easter. This is what the story is about. Not about Easter eggs. <laughs> no, Jesus suffered and died on the cross so he could save his people from their sins. You need to come to faith in Christ and come to know him. It is Jesus, it's when the Holy Spirit regenerates us and enters into our heart. That's when the change comes. That's when it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, behold, new things have come. Change, transferred from the kingdom of, uh, kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to come to faith in Christ. These schools who claim to represent the evangelical faith need to stop getting distracted by the ways of this world. Well, we live in this. We got to learn and understand our culture. Well, in a sense, that's true. But you need to know the gospel and teach your students how to present it better, a whole lot better than what you're doing. Because guess what? It's not the gospel that's controlling them right now. It's not. It's the world. And it's up to you to fix that. Well, all I can say is, how do you take down the plaque of a wall to these five missionaries, missionary, about the, hearing the story of these five missionaries? I'm still shaking my head about it. But we should pray about it. We should pray for these Christian colleges. And we should pray that they would get things right and put something, put that plaque up there that honors them and tells the story of what a really true surrendered life who's willing to go to places of great danger like the true heart of the missionary should be. And we should elevate them in the Christian faith, not tear them down. Start losing your identity. You're gonna start leading yourselves into idolatry. So I say that to everybody, even individually as well. Let us make sure our walk in faith is Christ, uh, in Christ is right. Let us not get caught up in the culture and the things like that. Our life is about Jesus Christ and him alone. Thank you for listening to Two Days Demarius. This is Ron Thomas. May God bless you. Us to make the most of our time, to 
so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the ends of our To make the most of our time So that we may grow In wisdom Teach us To make the most of our time So that we may grow In wisdom Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us see your miracles again. Let our children see your glory at work. Teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to make the most of our time so that 